Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura, and I am taking a break from the Mike Tyson Marathon on ESPN2 to bring you a little bit of MLB content. We got three major sections today. We're going to talk about, of course, the new 2023 schedule announcement, the news surrounding that, and really what that means for the league. We've got a couple of records that were set today. And then we'll go over. I've got three games picked out to run through. Won't be too long a show format, but it'll certainly be a well worth it one. But other than that, hope you guys are having a great day. And yeah, let's get into it. So the MLB announced their schedule and for all the teams uh, for the 2023 season. And the big thing that everyone is very excited about, or at least the thing that that Major League Baseball is trying to hype up is the fact that they officially have every single team playing every single team for the first time in Major League Baseball history. Every team will play in the same season. What does this mean? It means absolutely nothing. Not a darn thing does this mean to me that you're able to play every single team throughout the course of a season because at the end of the day, what does it matter? You know, what will a, for the, let's say the Mets, what does a couple random games against Texas, what is three random games against Texas or three random games against Tampa Bay really tell you about your franchise? What does it tell you about your team and how talented they are, how capable they are? It tells us absolutely nothing. Ultimately, doing more interleague games adds nothing to the league other than getting a little bit more variety in the teams you play. And honestly, I would very strongly argue that that's a bad thing 
it's a bad thing for the league to move away from divisions just like every other league is doing. And frankly, it makes me sick because it takes away a major element and a major component of the game, all while genuinely hurting the product too, for these two reasons. Starting with the fact, you know, the only way you can get all these extra teams into each season is by taking away division games. And that's exactly what they've done here to remedy this and to add all these extra teams into the schedule. And I shouldn't say all, because, you know, you, you play quite a few teams, you play a good chunk of both sides already, but to fill in the rest, you had to take away from the division games, just like you had to before to get more interleague games in. And what that does is that weakens the rivalries. It weakens the ability to move around in the standings. It creates, frankly, a less entertaining product when it comes to August, September, because, you know, you have a team that's five games up, five games up with eight league games between you and the other side means a lot less than five games with even 12 games between you and the other side, you know, just being able to make up that ground so quickly in interleague games or interdivision, intradivision games. There we go makes for so much more excitement, but it also builds the rivalries. It builds the regional rivalries, the rivalries between players on both teams. And that's what makes exciting baseball is the fact that, you know, if you're the Red Sox, you're going to have to see the Yankees and you're going to have to see the Yankees a lot over the course of a season. That's what builds the excitement. That's what builds the drama. That's what builds the narratives. And you're taking away a huge chunk of that. And this is all while you are, adding these games against teams from all across the country, which means you are making your travel, even if you do it the best way possible, you are making your travel more difficult than it was last year. By making this a situation where you play every single team, you make your schedule and your travel time objectively more difficult because you're going to be playing more teams. If you're on the East Coast, you're going to be playing more teams in the Central. You're going to be playing more teams in the West. The teams that you wouldn't have normally been playing because it's a little more difficult to schedule it. There was a reason these games weren't being played. All of a sudden, you're going to have these guys traveling higher distances. That will also greatly decrease from the quality of baseball, not just the competitiveness and entertainment of it, but the quality will significantly drop when you do that. And I just think, you know, it's a mess. We still hear, look, I stand firm, especially if you are going to do what I am seeing here as I, I just pulled up the Mets schedule. And if I'm correct, I'm only seeing one series, one, two game set against the Yankees. That doesn't seem right. No, excuse me. There is one there. The Mets have the home one in June and then an away one in July. The Mets are home for nine, 9-11, which is a step in the right direction, you know, and again, I make a big deal about this just because I think that was one of the most impactful and important moments the sport has had in the United States culture, being the first step back for that city to normalcy after that event. I, I just think that's a momentous moment in both the history of the event, the history of the league, and that should be remembered. That should be something that this league hangs its hat on. And they can do a lot with to promote the team and their league by making that event something. But they really don't care to. They don't care to 
get those good optic moments, those good money shots. And that's a darn shame for all the people who really care and want to see good product out on the field. That's just, that's, that's where it leaves me frustrated is, you know, you're, if you're going to spend all this time reworking your schedule and making it worse, you could have at least made it worse at the fans benefit, but you still have situations where some of these major events, like, like, for example, the field of dreams game, not coming back, potentially never coming back. That stuff really hurts. You're getting the London series back, which is great. Cardinals Cubs will be 24th and 25th of June. And then the little league classic will be the nationals and the Phillies on August 20th. But other than those two things, and one of them, one of which is contractually done the other one. And as we talked about earlier this week, by far the best marketing tool that MLB has for their, for the future of their sport is the Little League Classic. And I'm almost convinced that the majority of the reason that that game keeps going year after year is because the Little League people want this to happen so bad. I think if Little League didn't push it, this wouldn't be as big a deal and as big a nice production as it is year by year. The MLB don't know what they're getting out of Little, out of Little League because I feel almost certain that if they weren't involved, the MLB would find a way to ruin this situation. And I'm just so thankful that they haven't. But that's just about all I have in terms of thoughts on the schedule. Let's go ahead and move on to the two records that ended up getting broken today. O'Neill Cruz of the Pittsburgh Pirates is where we will be starting here. And, you know, it's a shame Brandon, of course, on his way back to college, we wish him all the best. But he would have, I'm sure, is kicking himself that he has to be off tonight because this is his guy and he would want to be all over this story. As O'Neill Cruz today was able to hit a line drive 122.4 miles an hour. That is officially the hardest hit ball in the history of StatCast. And this guy... The reason this should excite you more than the fact that, oh, wow, that ball was hit hard. This guy's 23 years old. This guy's far from his athletic prime. And, you know, here's a situation where the guy isn't batting above Mendoza line. Might have been a little too early for him to be coming up. I'm not going to argue this without Brandon because there's no real point here because he's just going to. It, it's much more fun when he's defending this in, to the grave. But either way he's not performing to the expectations of the team offensively right now, long-term, he probably will be a much better contributor. And certainly from a batting average standpoint, a far better contributor than he is right now. But if he's only getting a hit 20% of the time in 51 games and still is it finds a way to have 122 mile an hour hit. And that's not the only hard one that he's had. He's, continually been making incredibly hard contact the sooner he starts making more contact the better and better things will go the higher the ceiling is for him just because you know when you're able to hit the ball that hard you're going to make good things happen when you get good contact on so that's really what's going to end up happening for him is once he gets settled once he gets adjusted he's going to be putting on an absolute laser show with hits like this the other guy we have to talk about here 
you know, I think a guy who he's not going to win it, but has a very strong case. Yeah, I would say he's my third pick here. The Ryan New York native, George Kirby, as the third place for the rookie of the year. He currently sits with a 3-4-7 ERA. And, of course, we all know this guy, his thing is the fact that he doesn't walk, guys. 1.3 walks per nine is absolutely terrific at this point, especially at this point in his career, you know, being 24 years old in your first season in the bigs, you know, through 90 innings to only have that that rate, that's no fluke. That's pure skill. Well, he proved that skill today, throwing the first 24 pitches of his start today were all strikes. So, again, that's the first time in MLB history that a player has had 24 straight strikes. Theoretically, that's three, eight batters. That's almost once through the order, assuming they were all in the theoretical world where they were all strikeouts. 24 straight strikes is almost entire way through the order without throwing a single ball. I, I struggle to break this down, and I know I shouldn't say that I struggle to break things down. As that's the whole point of me being on this podcast. But it's just such a hard number to wrap your head around. 24, the fact that you're able to not throw a single ball over the course of almost an entire time through the order, going through the heart of the order without throwing a ball is impressive. To do this is just insane, but this is just more, again, showing, you know, odds are he's going to be the type of guy who his scouting report is 100% correct, and that's a very good thing for Seattle because his scouting report looked very, very good. You know, here's a guy who had plus, 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 like however many you want to add, everyone remarked about his control and his ability to limit the walks, his ability to throw strikes. All of that has was always the marker for his career, and he's come up and more than proven that. As, at a 3-4-7 ERA, I believe that is going to go down. I don't have the box score pulled up here. I can probably get that quickly, though. Um, obviously, with that, pl- his play today, he goes seven innings, one earned. So he's down to a 3-3-2 ERA. I would guess that's somewhere around um, – 110 112 era plus which isn't like anything like crazy but when you look at that in the context of next to no personal mistakes and a ton of strikeouts 9.2 strikeouts per nine you know if you're able to get a strikeout an inning at this age that shows that you know your stuff is there and it's going to be able to it's going to keep coming that's really what you're looking for in the minors and that's kind of what you want to you'd love you love to see that when a guy first comes up, if he's able to keep sitting batters down, regardless of what he does with the guys, he doesn't sit right down. So this guy, again, we've talked about it before. One of these two young studs that Seattle has been able to put into this group, and they will hopefully be staples of this rotation for a long, long time, because, you know, Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo, they're only going to last you so long. They're well within the prime of their career. And, that's just the way the game goes. But these two guys that the Seattle Mariners have right now, they're they're perfect for going down the line with this young core, this youth movement that Seattle is pulling into a playoff situation now, 10 games above 500. But let's go ahead and jump in before we wrap up here with a couple games. And we're going to start with 
the most, yes, tied for most lopsided game of the day. Let's talk about Atlanta and Pittsburgh. As Pittsburgh gets taken down 14-2, to they get out hit 14-6 to over that stretch, and Kyle Wright gets the win. Seven shutout innings with two hits and eight strikeouts, dropping his ERA below three. Mitch Keller ends up being the guy on the mound for the first seven runs of that through all through three and two thirds of an inning. As I said before, I see very little value. Like I don't see anything that's necessarily telling me something out of victories against certainly the bottom five, but really the bottom 10 at this point, you know, there's nothing that I'm learning new about the team from their performance there. But this is giving me the exact opportunity to talk about the fact that this team, this Atlanta team is responding perfectly. This is such such an incredibly competitive organization, competitive mentality in this clubhouse. They find a way to keep striking and keep striking in these big bursts. And more so than striking in big bursts, they strike when the time is right. They see that the Mets are struggling right now and you know, desperately looking to get some traction. And they're not going to let them have any of it. You know, this is a situation where I went from a week ago thinking the Mets couldn't, even with a slow stretch, drop this division because they're just, you know, they're going to find a way to keep their head above water. But I didn't expect the Braves to be able to strike so quickly and capitalize on just the slightest show of weakness from the Mets that they've seen over the last week has completely flipped this thing on its head. And again, this is a perfect opportunity to bring up too the fact that, you know, this division race wasn't nearly as close two weeks ago as it is now, but all of a sudden you get really what it comes down to is it was one intra-division series between the Mets and the Braves that cut a significant amount of this distance. The Braves finally getting the best of the Mets in one of these, cut it right back in, and then those couple tough series, particularly against the Yankees, where the Mets drop both of them, that took care of the rest of the work. But just such big jumps can be made with both momentum and physical record in games back when you have more and more opportunities to play in division. I just, I can't understate how big of a difference that makes. But at this point, you know, the Braves are trending in such a way that I would, I would be shocked if they didn't hold the division for at least a little while coming in here in September. Honestly, they'll probably, they will lead the division going into September. Will they win the division? I can't say that for sure, but they'll definitely get up there for a little bit of time. And performances like this, striking when the time is right, are exactly what prove it. But let's move on to another team who is not striking when they need time to prove it. The big Prove It series, as I was talking about it on Monday, Guardians-Padres, and it definitely did not go well tonight for San Diego as they fall at home to the Guardians 7 to nothing. Blake Snell allows six earned runs over three and a third. Uh, certainly a blow-up start, to say the least. Meanwhile, Cal Quantrill goes seven shutout for the Guardians to give them this game this comes on the heels of a 3-1 win for the guardians 
last night, excuse me, I couldn't remember the exact details of that story. Mike Clevenger, again, falls this time on a quality start. that The team just can't get the support for him as Aaron Savalli goes almost five and allows one earned run here for Cleveland. They go then from there to all of their top bullpen arms. They go Sandlin, Karajak, Stefan, Classe for four innings. That's one heck of a four-inning stretch here. I mean, that in that grouping, I just named four guys who don't have an ERA, not one of them, above 2-5-0. And if Karinchek had stayed healthy, and we were talking about a little bit more uh, innings here, you're talking about a team that's probably around a 2-1-5 team or grouping ERA right now, and it would certainly be below two with how Karinchek has pitched if he had been able to pitch the full season. But, you know, him and Classe right now are both 1-3-5 and 1-2-0, respectively. And that group is firing on all cylinders. So here we have the Guardians, you know, a team I've been very high on. And this is no disrespect to the Guardians, but they just aren't as talented, especially when you look at this off, their offense. They are not as talented as a lot of teams, but certainly the Padres are. And so you have a struggling Padres team who desperately needs to start picking up games if they want to make the playoffs this year. They needed to go out and beat good teams. That's what builds the momentum. Here's a good team. Here's a division leader that they had the opportunity to go off against. And they have come up short in every sense of the word. This has been an abysmal failure this week for the Padres. And, you know, if they end up losing out this year, if they end up not making the playoffs, you're going to look, I think you should look back to this series, not as the reason why, but the moment we realized like they're in real jeopardy, like this team isn't good enough to make it. This is the moment that they prove to me that they aren't legit. They aren't for real this year. And this is going to have to be a next year situation now that they don't have Tatis. If they had Tatis, do things change? Probably not. But that's the way at least you have to look at it is, you know, hopefully we will get this guy back next year. You know, once his suspension's over, he'll be able to come back and hopefully he'll be coming out like gangbusters and he'll be the difference for this World Series. But you know, they're certainly not catching the Dodgers. And I would be shocked if they were able to catch a playoff scenario here with just this terrible run of form and the schedule not getting that much easier. You know, you're going to Kansas City here for three games this weekend, and then immediately you're going up to the Bay and then to LA. At the current pace that these these guys are going, I would say they maybe take two of those games between not the Kansas city series. They're going to take the Kansas city series, but they'll probably not take that much more convincingly than they did Washington. Meanwhile, we're going to go to San Francisco, LA, and you're probably going to take two games at best out of both of those because this giants game team, they're plucky. They're going to keep in games at, at minimum. And I'm not sure that, the Padres currently have the wherewithal to withstand that, and the Dodgers will just mop up the floor with them. Well, that will do it for MLB Daily tonight. Please make sure you follow us on all our socials at MLB Daily Pod, and we will see you manana. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.